0: Well, it's always good to be here at Lighty's Church. Uh, my wife and I just love coming up here. It's a shame, you know, it's just so far away from our home that we can't be here more often. But um, what a treat for you. I'd like to uh, start with some scripture reading this morning. And uh, we're going to begin in Deuteronomy 18. And this is a pretty straightforward warning from the Lord about how the people were to behave when they got into the promised land. And uh, in verses, we'll just read verses 10 through 14. Well, verse 9, let's start at 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Our second reading is in the Psalms. That would be Psalm 31. And Uh, By the way, I'm I'm reading from an ESV, uh, Steve told me, uh, right before the service, you're using the New American Standard, so I hope this isn't too off. but uh, they're pretty much the same, it's God's Word, right? So occasionally, you know, if you're anything like me, uh, I've been walking with the Lord 45 years, and occasionally I get off track. You know, if we were walking and holding hands, you might say, I let go of his hand for a little bit. And I find myself in trouble. David knew that feeling. He was often finding himself in trouble. And, uh, and worrying. So this psalm reminds us. Who is actually there to help us. Psalm 31. Again we'll read just a few verses. Beginning with verse 1. In you O Lord do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Let's turn now to the Gospel. Take a look at John. Chapter 14, again, the beginning verses. Our gospel reading also reminds us that all truth, and I would capitalize the word all, all truth is in Christ our Redeemer. He says in chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's meditate on these words as we prepare our sermon. Oh, Lord, you have brought us to this day. And this is the day that you have made. Therefore, Lord, we will rejoice every moment of it. In, the, in that which we think is good, and that which we think is poor. Lord, we'll rejoice in it all because you're our God and you are the truth and you do love us and guide us and protect us. We count on that. But Lord, sometimes in our humanness we do wander off. We get into things that look like harmless things, Lord. Uh, a little bit of fun with our unsaved friends. Oh Lord, forgive us and protect us from ourselves. That we indeed would stay close to you and hear your word, and you would just clarify. You'd make everything clear in this world and give us the strength to stand for the convictions that we find in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Dana, I don't want to disappoint you, brother. We've been friends a long time, so I figured I'd preach about two hours. Not two and a half, but we'll see where that goes. Um, I do have a tendency to be long winded and I was cracking up but you were picking on us pastors, you know. John was right behind me. Were you laughing at the things he was saying? You were serious. <laughs> well he had an email to a pack, I know that, you know, so but uh, anyway, it's that time of year, uh, I don't know about you, but it's a time of year that makes me uncomfortable. We're heading toward October thirty first, uh, which people call Halloween I'm almost positive it has become the number one holiday in America uh, lots of attention goes to it uh, it's been weeks uh, weeks ago I went into a lowes and all the Halloween decorations are out there and uh, and I just don't like it I'm sorry I just I'm not a fan you know what I mean it, it bothers me and I'll tell you why it bothers me in a minute but I, I'm just not a fan. And, you know, the world doesn't tell you the origins of the holidays we have, but, so I want to take just a minute to help you to see this. Uh, first of all, the very name of this so-called holiday. And you know when they say holiday, they actually meant holy day. So it's supposed to be a holy day, and it's called All Hallows' Eve, or uh, all you know, a holy evening, so to speak. Uh, and then follows uh, the day after is All Saints Day way back in the year 609 Pope Boniface IV dedicated May 13th as a day to honor Christian martyrs and you know as a missionary my wife and I have always had this heart for the persecuted Christians and so many Christians suffering around the world and uh, here I, I suppose it was going on then and he dedicated that day to the Christian martyrs well he called it All Martyrs Day, and that went on for a couple hundred years, and then around 800 AD, Pope Gregory III enlarged the festival to include all the saints, as well as martyrs, and moved the observance to November 1st. By the way, who is a saint? Amen, right? Scripture, we are saints. The people that love the Lord have found his grace and his mercy, and we, we follow him and we love him. We're the saints. And I like that because, you know, there's other traditions where, you know, you got to die first. And I, I kind of like it that he named me a saint before I die. I feel like my chances of getting into heaven got a little better right there, you know? Uh, I had a good friend, he said, people are so messed up, writers and authors and other speakers, he said, You never wanna quote anybody unless they've been dead at least 300 years, you know? So, you know, we're saints now, and that's a wonderful thing to know that your God loves you so much. And, uh, you know, I I liked it when we were doing the worship and, and our brother talked about his wife being a princess, you know, and how we're all princesses and princes. You know, that's how the Lord thinks about you. And what a wonderful thing. To know that in your heart. So, so we're saints. And All Hallows Eve was set apart that we would think about the saints that went before us. And you know, I've come up here before and talked about so many of the people in this fellowship that were saints that before I even knew the Lord and how they loved me and guided me and helped me. That's That's a wonderful thing. And so All Hallows Eve is a night to think about those saints that have gone on to be with the Lord. And we just, you know, think thoughts about them. Like how we're here today because of what they did years ago. And then the next day we're supposed to come into church and worship the Lord who made those people saints and gave the Holy Spirit to them that they would indeed find us and help us. And boy, we needed help. I did, I don't know about you, but I certainly needed help and how good the Lord was. Now, this celebration that we see, uh, this modern Halloween celebration, actually comes out of Celtic tradition. Uh, and it's a day where the people were afraid of demons. And they're afraid of you know, these characters, or these creatures you know, coming and hurting them. And so they would do things to try and trick the demons. Uh, that's our original Halloween. Uh, But today's version is even worse, I think. It's got an emphasis on zombies, on bloodthirsty killers, divination, witchcraft. And that all developed, surprisingly, around the 1920s. And it increasingly got worse up into the 1950s, which is when I came along. And they all just said, well, this is just a bunch of harmless fun, you know, go out and do it. But it seems to me, uh, all these years later, it's gotten a, a whole lot more bloody, a whole lot more evil. And uh, I'm wary of the whole, the whole thing. I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan. And I love it that this church takes this opportunity. Uh, what do you call the service, Steve, you, got, you have with the kids in the basement and the hell or something? Okay. Judgment house. Love that because I have been to other churches where they're just all in with this thing. You know, they, they don't understand the evils that are associated with it and how they've taken something that was meant to be holy, you know, and made it profane. It's almost like Christmas, you know? Uh, have you ever thought about the word Christmas? Literally, christ Mass. It's a day we think about Christ and his birth, but these days it's anything uh, but christ Mass. It's Christ-less. I don't want to sound like a cranky old guy, but mind you, I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East. Did you know that Muslims celebrate Christmas? They don't celebrate the birth of Jesus. They're copying what they see on TV coming out of the United States and England. And so Santa Claus is all over the Middle East. It's the weirdest thing I ever saw, you know, being over there. My goodness. And he's the only Muslim that has a mustache for some reason. I don't get it. But... Uh, Anyway, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 28. You know, we're talking about the witches and all. And there's a text here that is one of these texts that a lot of pastors just stay away from. And um, they stay away from it because they don't understand it. And people who actually use this text to justify uh, their involvement with seances and and, uh, astrology things, you know, um, and the occult. And um, when I say people will use it to justify, I'm talking about church-going people. So maybe you learned something today. I don't know. I hope so. But I hope, well, let's get into it. We'll see what the Lord wants to do. Uh, This is a text that also uh, obviously talks about a man coming back from the dead to uh, give a warning to someone else. And uh, it raises a lot of questions about life after death, the occult. God answering prayer. Uh, To set the scene, King Saul, is he's had a dismal record of trusting God. He's disobeyed God. Uh, As such, he's ruined his life. He's lost Samuel, the prophet Samuel. He's lost his friendship. He's now losing his throne. He's about to be killed. Uh, Worst of all, he's lost the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So this is one messed up man. He's facing a war with the Philistines, and he's frightened. Do we have those uh, slides? I brought some along. So, Anybody find those? There we go. Let's go to the next one. She's pretty, isn't she? <laughs> I, threw, I brought these along because there's going to be some words in here that you probably should know, but you may not know. So verse 3, we'll pick it up. Chapter 28, verse 3. and It says, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. So he said, these people have to go. Just like we read in Deuteronomy, don't get involved with them. Boy, it had been, it had crept into the society. And and Saul, you know, did the right thing and he got rid of them. But he didn't get rid of all of them. Uh, He talks here about necromancers. And uh, necromancy is attempting to call up the dead in order to learn the future. A medium is a person claiming to be in contact with the spirits of the dead and able to communicate between the dead and the living. Think of a sales. Now, I know there are mediums in this area. Uh, When I used to live up here, there was one on Route 309, and uh, she did a lot of damage to a friend of my sister's, you know, uh, ran that woman's bank account down to nothing. Uh, We wanna look at that, and I I hope you'll seriously uh, Understand this. God absolutely forbids people from practicing necromancy. I put some references up on the screen there. We did read the one from Isaiah. But, um, you know, the Lord's got a lot to say about this. Uh, Listen to the severity he uses in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. That sounds pretty serious to me. Does it sound serious to you? And you know, when my dad would get angry, he'd pull his belt off. He didn't throw stones at us, but he'd get that belt off. You You knew when dad said something, he meant it. And if you decided to do it anyway, you found out that he was a man of his uh, words, you know. And, and that's the way it was. And God is a man of his word. Christians should have nothing to do with the occult, period. Now, that's one thing to read a novel or watch a movie, you know, that mentions a witch or this or that, you know. I mean, can, you know. But it's, it's another, another thing to practice, practice witchcraft. Craft. It's one, one thing, thing to read your horoscope and a Chinese fortune cookie. You know, we, if you like Chinese food, you always wait and you eat the cookie and there's that little paper in there. You're not supposed to eat that. You're supposed to read it. And, you know, we chuckle when we read it. It's usually way off base. But, you know, but it's another thing to believe that your life is controlled by the stars. You don't want to go there. Again, I remember in Wawa they used to have a little box with these little scrolls in them and it was your sign, you know, you were born under this sign or you were born under that sign. I hope all of you were born under the sign of the cross because that's the only sign you wanna be born under. Amen? You gotta watch that stuff, it looks like fun, but it's not fun, I'm telling you, it leaves the things. Uh, it's one thing to believe in life after death, I do, but it's another thing to try and communicate with dead people, that's weird. For our own good, God warns us, have nothing to do with the occult. Let's look at verse 4 and 5 as the story progresses. The Philistines assembled, and they came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistine, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Saul's in a mess here. And the Lord did not answer him. You ever wonder why? Because there was no more to be said. The Lord had already spoken to Saul before this, you know. And that was it. The Lord was done with him. That's a harsh thing to consider. Jesus tells us in John 16, you know, that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And He does that because He loves us and He wants us to do what? Repent. Not keep going on doing the same old things we have been doing. And if we repeatedly ignore the Holy Spirit, we put ourselves in jeopardy of losing the opportunity to repent and have our lives be renewed. You may say, well, there might even be an argument here that there comes a point of no return. And that's a sobering thought. A point of no return. You say, well, wait a second. You know, Uh, God is patient. God loves people. Of course He is. Uh, The scriptures say God is patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's the heart of our Father. But don't be deceived. God is watching. And He he understands. You know, He's watching what we do. Hosea said this to us. He said, For they they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Paul elaborates on this in Galatians chapter 5. Six, verse 7 and 8. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You know, Charles Stanley uh, commented on these verses and I really liked what he said about it. He said, Today is the Father of tomorrow. Today is the Father of tomorrow. What we are today is a result of what we've been thinking and the way we've lived in the past. Those who act wisely today will have wisdom in the future to make wise decisions. That's a good word, isn't it? Today is the Father of tomorrow. What you and I do today, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure God is pleased that you're here. You could be 10,000 other places. But today you decided to come here. And you know, we were praying... Uh, before the service and part of my prayer was that you would walk away today and say, well, that was an hour well spent. Thank you. Lord. It is an hour. Well, well spent. And you're good to spend it this way. Well, let's take a look at this crazy seance. that's about to take place. Verse, uh, we'll go back to verse seven here.
1: Then Saul said to his
0: servants, seek out for me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. Now, remember, he'd already cast them all out of the country, but they didn't all listen. His servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. Ever wonder about the people, the council, the presidents, and kings of this world? How these fellows know there was a medium? I, I wonder about stuff like that. You know, you really got to check, check out the people who are supposed to be helping you and guiding you and your assistance. So, it's a good thing to look at that. Anyway, let me move on. So Saul disguised himself, and he put on other garments, and went he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Now he's a rascal, isn't he? He swore to her by the Lord that he didn't take the time to obey or follow. He swore by the very Lord that he's continually rejected. And isn't that like our society today? How often do we watch a movie and you hear the Lord's name taken in vain? You know, the very people, Yeah, you know, I watch movies and I say, boy, that guy needs Jesus. Well, that one needs Jesus, you know. Uh, why do they swear by the God who they will not follow? I, I don't understand. It's a sad mess. Well, the story goes on. Verse 11. Uh, then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up and he's wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage
1: Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed
0: me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? And the Lord has done to you as he spoke by me for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the land hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the land hand of the Philistines. Well, the big question is, was Samuel's ghost really summoned by the witch of Endor? What's really happening here? There are possibly uh, four different viewpoints that I've read about. One is, this is all a hallucination of the medium. I don't lay much on that one. But uh, this was a deception by a medium. She's a fraud. Uh, Another thought is that this may, in fact, be a demonic impersonation of Samuel. And uh, a fourth is that this was a genuine appearance of Samuel's spirit. I kind of fall with number two and three being possibilities, you know, but I strongly support number two. I believe because I believe in the Lord and his word, I believe that all mediums are nothing but frauds. And we need to be aware of that. You know, it's not right when people take advantage of you. I don't know how many of you are in social security, but I'm part of the plan. You know how many phone calls I get with people telling me my social security is at risk? So I, <laughs> I pushed the button where you can talk to one of them. I say, by the way, you call me, uh, do you know Jesus? I said, because if you knew Jesus, you wouldn't be calling an old man and trying to steal money. Click. We never really get to the point. There are a lot of laws in life. And this woman at Endor did not summon up Samuel, in my opinion. Uh, It was a deception. She's a con artist. She's putting on a show for for Saul. It certainly wasn't a God or some uh, verses say an angel. Look at verse 11 and 13 with me. She said, Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. Down in 13 again. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said so I see a God coming up out of the earth. In the Bible, gods or angels never come up out of the earth. There's only one place I've ever heard that happening and that was when Muhammad was sitting in a cave and he said the angel Gabriel came up out of the earth and started talking to him. And we know that not a whole lot of good came out of that conversation. In fact, it's one of the worst things that happened in the history of mankind. It's an evil religion. Now mind you, I love Muslims, I really do. But I hate their religion. And whenever you see somebody saying an angel or God came up out of the earth, be, you should be wary, read your Bible. They don't do that. Um, and you know, this is what Jesus said. You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's, a, it's along that same line of thinking. What you see in the Bible about angels and and that, you know, that's what we are to expect, Uh, not this nonsense of coming up out of the ground. Because when that so called angel came up to Muhammad, what did he do? He denied the cross. And who are you without the cross? You are the most pitied of all the people on the planet if the cross didn't happen. I had no way to save myself. I owned that. You have no way to save yourself. You can be as good as you want to be, but if you haven't asked the Lord into your heart and He hasn't cleansed you of your sin by His blood, then you have a hopeless future. And if you haven't done so today, by all means, there are pastors here, there are probably people sitting next to you that you know are men of God, women of God, turn to them before you leave today. Say, brother, I'm messed up. I need Jesus. And by his grace and mercy, he will come into your life and change you. But be honest about it, be sincere. He wants to be for you. We read those scriptures. He wants to be your redeemer, your rock, your fortress. Well, what evidence do we have here for me? You know, I'm up here saying she's a fraud. What evidence do we have? I believe there's a lot of evidence here in this text. First of all, the woman is practicing divination, which is an act that God expressly forbid. I think we're around slide 6. Is that right? Thank you, fellas. Um, I asked, would God give credibility to someone who He's already said, no, I I don't want any of that. I don't see God working through mediums. It, It would be contrary to who He is, the God of truth. Saul, number two, Saul never actually saw Samuel. The medium claimed to have seen Samuel, But Saul had to ask her what the spirit looked like. He didn't see anything. Then he erroneously concluded that it must be Samuel. Now, I I mentioned to you this lady up on 309. I don't know if she's still there. But mediums make an awful lot of money from people who are living their life in fear. And you have not been given a spirit of fear. Amen? You've been given a spirit of faith. So going to one of these people just kind of shows that inside you're fearful and you you don't know what's coming along and they make money out of you. In the 1920s, you heard of the uh, the illusionist Harry Houdini, right? Well, he often visited mediums in the hope of talking to his dead mother. Time after time, many unsuccessful and expensive attempts to contact her. Uh, Afterward, he decided they were all fakes and frauds. He said to the public that he can easily duplicate more than 95% of the tricks that they use. He said that's easy, you know, and he was an illusionist. The devil wants your soul. These mediums want your money. Think about that. In 2013, the Miami Times newspaper ran an article about phony psychics. Now get this, preying on vulnerable people, self-acclaimed psychic Rose Marks was convicted of defrauding, hold on to your seats, hold on to your wallets, more than $25 million from clients of her family's fortune telling business. And those unbelievers call us pastors money grubbers, you know. I mean, I never made $25 million, you know, my entire life. This lady, she was a con artist, as PT Barn uh, famously said, There's a sucker born every minute. Rose Marks knew that. Let's, Let's go, go away. with number, number three. The Spirit of Samuel said things that people already knew. Okay? The only piece of original information that that medium supplied is the additional line in verse 19. Tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. Okay? Nobody knew that was going to be the outcome. She said that's the only information. She gave. That was true. However, it wasn't really true. If you know your Bible, she knew about the upcoming battle and she added the obvious. Yeah, you're probably going to die here. But David, uh, and David, he was meant to succeed Saul. Everybody knew that. And therefore, if that's going to happen, Saul's four sons had to die. But she gave inaccurate uh, prophecy. Two details. Number one, the battle of Gilboa was not the next day. It was three days later. And the second mistake is that Saul's fourth son, Ishbosheth, lived to be king, reigning in Jerusalem a full two years. So again, she's making things up. She's saying things that probably will happen, you know. it's was a, a gamble on her part. But listening to fraudulent, fraudulent psychics is a trap that steals a God-given good life. God wants to bless you. He wants you to have an abundant life. He doesn't want you all wrapped up in fear, running up the street to some lady who's gonna tell you things you probably should know already and take your money for it. You know, if, if you ever go down to Atlantic City, uh, which I have, you know, we live down that way, and uh, you, you walk along the boardwalk. Do you ever see the psychics along the boardwalk? And they have a big sign. They say, we'll predict your winning number. Yeah. And they're sitting in a room about the size of a phone booth. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking, lady, if you knew my winning number, you ought to know your own and get out of that phone booth. <laughs> so I a giveaway, right? She ought to monetize my heart. Not phone booth on the corner. Anyway, I better go on. Oh, my goodness. Listening to fraudulent psychics is a trap that steals a God given life. I want to put a picture up here. Is that a picture of the boy up there? That little fella. That's my hand holding an amulet that's around that little boy's neck. I'm in a Syrian refugee camp just on the Jordanian side of the border of, uh, of Syria. I've been there a few times. And I met this little fella. And I said to him, what, what's this thing around your neck? And he said, oh, that's to protect me from the jinn." Now, when they say jinn, they don't mean the stuff some of you used to drink out of the bottle, okay? Jinn are uh, good angels and bad angels. And when y'all watch those movies with your kids about the genie, it was actually the jinn in the, in the lamb, okay? It's, it's an evil spirit. And he began to talk to me and tell me about how the evil spirits were coming up behind him as he walked and they'd clip him in the back of his legs and knock him down. And he was afraid. He was becoming increasingly fearful of the jinn grabbing him and maybe strangling him. When the Muslims come to you, and they, they come in the room, they say, "Salam eagle, They're saying, peace be upon all of you. It's a plural. And what they actually mean is, yes, peace be on you, but all those demons around you, peace be on you. Don't mess with us. And that little boy was scared to death that these demons, these jinn, were going to mess with him. Christians need not fear evil spirits. We do not need to fear them. David wrote, Yea, who I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. John later declares thus, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, the evil ones. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's from 1 John 4 4. Uh, I do not believe that Christians can be possessed. A demon may come up and whisper in your ear. I've actually experienced something of that nature. But they can't get in you if the Holy Spirit is in you. I mean, that just flat out wouldn't make sense, would it? He that is in you is stronger than he that is in the world. We have nothing to fear of evil spirits. And I shared that with that young man. He decided to keep his little amulet. uh, and, And all I could do was pray for him. But there's so many like that young man that are just trapped, trapped by fear when God wants to give us faith and an abundant life. Let's look at the next one. I don't know if you can see him in there. There, he's kind of up to the left. He's got his thumb up in the air. The fellow in the dark shirt in the middle is a believer. And he would bring his guitar out to that camp. They were all Muslim kids. And, man, he'd have them doing Father Abraham jumping up and down, you know. uh, And we always shared the gospel. And that picture was taken right after maybe an hour of worshiping God. And, and, you know, the the kids sing along and all that. I'm not... Sure if they really understand what they're singing, but they sing along, you can just see there's a happiness on his face. I only pray today that these fellows who continue to go back, you know, month after month into that old camp, uh, I just hope that he's received that which they shared with him. Now, concerning physical death, we're almost finished, so if somebody's sleeping next to you, give them a nudge and wake them up. You know, it's embarrassing when everybody else is walking out and you're still snoring. So help them out. Uh, Here we are. Concerning physical death, uh, I'm sorry to say, but we do not come back. Okay? And all this stuff about ghosts and all. The road to heaven and the road to hell is a one-way street. There's no turning back. The witch at Endor could not have talked to the dead because the Bible repeatedly tells us that when a person dies, they don't come back. Isaiah 26, verse 14 in the NIV says this, They are now dead. They live no more. Those departed spirits do not rise. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we're told man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So there are no spirits floating around uh, that want to chat with people they've left behind. There's no, you know, you see it in the movies, right, you know, this guy dies and then his wife starts to get into residence, some new fellow down the road, you know, and and he comes back, you know, to give her advice, you know. It's like, really? Only in Hollywood, only in America. Uh, They're not allowed to return. They're not allowed to return. Now, we will return one day, okay, but that's a whole other story, right? When we all come back. But there's no ghost floating around in your basement as, as dirty and dark as it really is. So, let's finish this up. Verse 20. Let me get my glasses here. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you've said to me. She's afraid for her own life now. Now therefore you also obey your servant. and Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman urged him and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and he sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fat calf in the house and she quickly killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. So the dinner that Saul ate that night was sort of like the last meal of a condemned man. He was uh, about to go and die, but why did he die? 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13 and 14 specifically tells us Saul died for his sins, including his visit to the medium. Listen to these words from 1 Chronicles 10. So Saul died for his transgressions, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it and inquired not of the Lord. Saul does not live happily ever after. Neither does anyone who gets involved with the occult. I just wanted to warn you about it because everybody makes us feel like we're the, we're the boring people at this time of the year. You know, We're the superstitious people at this time of the year. We're the people that don't know how to have fun. Well, I'm not a fan. What can I tell you? I have fun in my own way. And I don't need to go out and dress up like I'm half dead. I mean, I'm getting old. I look half dead anyway most morning. At least in the morning, you know. But I don't have to do that. So at this point you may ask, well, wait a second, Pastor. What's what's the problem from a little parlor game? What's the problem with using a Ouija board, for example? you might ask, well, why would God be upset with horoscopes or palm readings or tea leaves? Uh, Where's the harm in an innocent visit to a medium or attending a seance? Well, if you still have your Bibles open, turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 15. 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. And we're looking for verse 23. Well, let me go back to 22. And Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. And presumption is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Is there any harm in it? You bet. Be careful. You know, one thing often leads to another. That which seems like a little innocent fun could really open the door wide open for you to get sucked up into the occult. You know, you go to those mediums and they're gonna be, you know, taking your money. Your problems aren't gonna get better, they're gonna get worse, because now you still have your problem, but you're broke on top of it. People accept the cult; The occult are people that reject the Lord. And I'll just end on this very positive note. My friends, there is nothing, 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 nothing more certain than God's word. You can count on it, you can take it to the bank, I'm gonna take it to the grave, you know. This is that which guides us into a good life, an abundant life, as Jesus said. So, please do not dabble into any form of the occult. Uh, Don't innocently read your daily horoscope. Instead, daily, as the scriptures say, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you, right? Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And your word tells us we love you. We we love you because you first loved us. And we we affirm that today. We're grateful that you reached out when when we were in the midst of our sin. Our sin that was just taking us down the road to hell and perdition. Lord, you saved us. And we are grateful for that. Lord, we're not bragging of it on our own. We're bragging on you because you're the God of love who seeks uh, to, to save those that are lost, Lord. Thank you for that. I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, that you would just pour your spirit into their heart. They'd turn their heart to you. Lord, for anyone that's here today in fear, and and Lord, oh my goodness, there's so much fear-mongering going on these days here in America and around the world, Lord. I just pray that you'll put your faith into today. Uh, Put your faith into all of us. We all could use a fresh dose of your faith, Lord. Strengthen us, renew us, and use us, Lord. In these final days, Lord, as as we live out our lives, Lord, Lord, may there be a word of hope on our tongue, a word of guidance, uh, a word that would bless people. And we know the blessings are all from you, and so we just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.